Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tax Security Podcast. We are very excited to be back here with you today. We have some wonderful guests with us that have not yet joined the Tax Security Podcast, and we are excited to welcome them here. My name is Kevin Klaus. I will be hosting today, along with my colleague, whom you know very well, Mr. Magnus Mortensen. Hello, faithful listeners. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. Yeah, I hope. Um, we, uh, also, we can't really hear the listeners. I'm, I'm assuming they're yeah, talking I'm, I'm at the radio. I'm right playing now. the listener. Okay. So gotcha. good, I hope. Great. That's the listener. Uh, we also have two wonderful colleagues with us here today who we work very close with. We are actually in the Cisco, Maryland office today, based in Fulton. And these two fine folks work here in this office. So we have the pleasure of having Foster Lipke. Foster. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing very well. Thank you very much. So, Foster, um, why don't you just introduce yourself real quick for the audience? Yeah, so my name's obviously Foster Lipke. I'm a technical leader, uh, similar to everybody sitting around this table. And I've been with uh, the company quite a while. So I actually started with SourceFire and came over into Cisco through the acquisition. Um, so I know quite a bit about Snort and the Firepower solution. That you assimilated. assimilated. Acquisition was like uh, October 2013-ish? Yeah. Has it been five-plus years already? It has been yeah, many been moons. Cisco five years. Wow. That's a long time. Thank you, Foster. We also have Justin Roberts here with us today. Hello, Internet. Internet says hi back. And today we're going to be focused on Firepower Threat Defense version 6.4, which everyone has been waiting for. Hold on, Kevin. Yes. Calm your jets. You got an introduction from Mr. Foster over here, and then you're just like... Chop suey on Mr. Justin. My bad, Justin. Justin, tell that's, us a little bit about yourself. That's okay. So I also joined uh, about five years ago, a little little after Foster, about a year after Foster. And uh, it was just after the acquisition in November of 2013. So I still like to say that I was part of SourceFire, even though I was technically Cisco employee number two. Uh, but yeah, been working with the product for the past five years, and I've also assimilated, as you would very, very good. Well, it is a pleasure to have both of you guys here. Um, and as Kevin snuck in there a few moments ago, today's topic is Firepower Threat Defense 6.4. Yes, and all the new kind of capabilities and features that have uh, been rolled into that release. Um, obviously, we're going to kind of touch base on some of the top items that come to mind for us just because, you know, we handle things from a support perspective and you want to hear our opinions and we're here to give them to you. So, uh, Kevin, what's the first thing we kind of want to cover here on our overall 6.4 voyage? Sure, Magnus. Uh, one of the big things I think is probably going to be the most noticed thing and probably most impactful for you, many of our listeners, are some of the speed improvements that we've had. Um, as, as all of you know, uh, deployment times are something that we've been working to improve on the, de- on the platform to make deployments a little bit more reminiscent of ASA days where you would go ConfT, hit enter, and have your change done. Uh, we are getting closer to getting back to that uh, kind of idea, and some of the speed improvements that we have seen in 6.4 so far from our testing have shown uh, pretty significant improvements. So yeah. um, not just deployment improvements um, in terms of speed, but also upgrade times um, yeah, are, are being absolutely. cut down. So. Um, those are two things that that I know I in particular I am excited about, and we think that that our listeners will 
uh, benefit from that quite a bit as well yeah, as they move forward. Let's scratch the surface there a little bit. So, uh, Foster and Justin, from your experiences with 6.4, um, and I know we're not necessarily going to pull back the kimono all the way to talk about the true inner workings <laughs> of what's, what some of these changes have been, but um, what are some notable changes in the deployment and upgrade areas that may be contributing to some of these improvements? Yeah, so one of the big things are around upgrades is we're no longer modifying the schema of the eventing database. So that's That sounds like a big task. It is. It's huge. And a lot of the time in the past, some of those long-running pieces of the upgrade are really around altering the schema of the database. If you've got 250 gigs of data structures, and you've got to go change out table names or change out data, that takes a long time. So not modifying and just making sure that our query engine is able to handle all different types of schemas makes it so those upgrades can proceed much quicker because we don't have to make those uh, schema changes. That seems like a pretty significant yeah. improvement. Yeah, it yeah, also, makes it quite fast. It also helps when you have to think about those customers when you would ask, you know, how long is this upgrade going to take? Well, how big is your database, right? You know, how, how much do I have to do to go through and modify those schemas? Now it's more of a streamlined process, I would say. So you can almost make an estimation uh, without having to take into consideration these wildly large databases. So that's yes. definitely going to bring down some of those uh, upgrade times. Yeah, we'll be much more realistic in terms of our release notes. We list how long it's supposed to take on each platform. And for, you know, FTDs, it's pretty accurate. But for FMCs, it's a huge range because of the different size data. Very variable, yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Foster and Justin, uh, for the, the upgrade improvements. Let's also just dive in a little bit more about the the actual policy deployment improvements that we've seen. Justin, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we did make some large strides with policy deployments. Uh, let's say in, in 6.3 starting, we, we did a lot to speed up the improvement or speed up the deploys by adding in what we call a Lena-only deploy. Now, we say Lena. Uh, in our world, that is the ASA side of the house, if you will, the data path portion of the product which uh, if you came from the ASA world, you would know that you make changes there, everything is lightning, it's, it's, it's immediate. But with uh, FTD, when you talk about deploys, you're mostly focusing on the slow part being the Linux side, the Snort side. So before 6.3, we were kind of doing an all or nothing, everything at once. But with 6.3, we've added in, if we only have to make a change in that Lena side, then we will. And that is significantly improving the deploy times for your FT devices. And with 6.4, we've made further improvements to that, right? We've added more things that will fall under that Lena-only deploy. And then um, we've also added some uh, ability into the deploy architecture for these kinds of plugins we have. And uh, Foster, if you want to talk more about the, the plugins. Yeah. So we, we modularize the, the policy deployment considerably. So in each of these phases, there can be multiple plugins. And not all of the plugins actually have to run. So that will speed up deployments. And it also makes it a little more resilient. So you should see less failures. Uh, related to policy deployments. More compartmental or compartmentalized yeah. um, capabilities there. That makes that makes some good yeah. sense. So those are two kind of umbrella changes um, to the this product in, in 6.3 and 6.4 that, you know, we really think are going to be the most impactful for you, our listeners. Um, but if we want to deep dive a little bit further into the muck of some of these changes, we've got a lot of stuff that went on in the VM space. Okay, virtual yeah. FTDs uh, got a little bit of a, a, a new paint job, if you will. Um, what are some of these interesting changes? So I think that the most interesting change is probably the ability to scale, right? So in the past, you were limited to a four gig or a four core eight gig OVA, right? You deployed it and that was what you were limited to. You couldn't really change the resources in a supported fashion. You might be able to do it, but the 
system wouldn't handle it properly necessarily. It was not intended. It wasn't, to, it wasn't intended. Yeah. So yeah, those, those resources would just go unused. They right. would sit idle. So we acknowledge that you may be, uh, you know, a VMware, Azure, whatever administrator changing these values, but in reality, we didn't really account for it. We weren't we weren't planning on you doing that. So you asked. We added. Just needless to say, the ability to add one of three different templates now. Right. We have four core eight gig, which is the original one. We've also gone up to eight core sixteen gig, and now we have a whopping twelve core. 24 gig in case you want to get crazy yeah so we should you should be able to put a lot more traffic through the virtual ftd very nice and uh, the more cores you add the more load balance it becomes right so also those elephant flows will be much better handled you know with more entropy now obviously with uh you know we're talking about traffic through a virtual device Traffic has to pass through a virtual interface. Yes, I'm alluding sure. to there being some changes to the <laughs> virtual interface drivers and capabilities. So let's talk about that, Foster. Yeah, so um, predominantly we are switching out the driver that we're going to use by default. So no longer will we use the E1000 driver. We will switch to the VM Net, uh, sorry, VMX Net 3 driver. That adds a bunch of functionality, in particular more throughput, right? You can go up to 10 gigs on that, whereas the E1000 driver, you were limited to that one gig interface. So it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for for the customer base to have more throughput through these virtual devices. Yeah, we're, we're trying to help you scale up. You know, now that we're giving you more resources, we acknowledge the fact that you might also want to pump more traffic through it, and we're going to open up that pipe to that 10 gig. And it's also important to note that uh, it is the default OVA in the OVA for the VFTDs. It is now VMXNet, so don't be confused if you see that. And we are recommending if you do go to 4, now that you can take advantage of these larger OVAs to actually switch your interfaces to that. So the upgrade itself is not going to convert from no, no. if you are using E1000. Right. right. So that's only on new deployments. Uh, it'll be set by default. Um, but, you know, from our perspective, switch on over to it. You get all the uh, net added benefits, better throughput. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's now uh, a capability and what we kind of wanted to bring to you uh, for these VMs. So in addition to some of the virtualization changes that we just discussed, we also have a few things related to SSL. Um, for those of you who have been keeping track of the FTD roadmap and, and development, uh, as you know, in 6.3, we added a lot of different uh, hardware acceleration. At the time, we were calling it SSL hardware acceleration. We have changed the name. Um, not a, n nothing major changed under the covers in 6.4, but we did change the name to TLS crypto acceleration. So if you hear that term, in my opinion, it's about time. We've been using the term SSL for a long time, even though technically um, it's been deprecated the for The industry many has moved on. Years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but people still tend to want to use SSL. I think we're finally uh, officially changing the name to kind of move on um, and get with the times and, and call it TLS. So, so aside from renaming the rows to a different name here, what did we change about SSL in 6.4? Yeah, so by default now, it's going to start enabling hardware acceleration. So you used to have to enable it, or you could also disable it from the clish, but now it's going to just kind of come already enabled. And we also unified our code paths. So uh, whether or not you had hardware acceleration enabled or disabled, you went through two different DACs. Or the DAC for us is uh, how Snort gets traffic from the data path, right? So we said Lena is the traditional data path. Snort has to get that traffic somehow. So we use our data acquisition layer or our DAC. So now we have one unified DAC. And that way, it's much easier, I would assume, to troubleshoot. You yeah. You kind of have the expectation. You know what you're going to see regardless of what the configuration is going to be doing to it. Yeah, you don't have to worry about different sets of blocks in Lina. So it makes it a lot easier to troubleshoot. And it also, you know, unifying that code path makes it more robust. It yeah. is important to note, since we haven't touched on 6.3, it, it's that we did enable that 
SSL hardware offload acceleration in 6.3 by default as well, but we've improved upon it in 6.4. Exactly. And like we said, unified those paths. Pretty fancy, pretty fancy. Um, and we're kind of running through these uh, pretty quick. I mean, obviously the SSL changes, um, you know, if we were talking back on the 6.3 days, there were a lot of changes more so, a little bit more in depth around that time. These are more under the cover, always enabled kind of administrative changes. Um, looking at some of the other capabilities, uh, VPN. Um, feature parity has always been a challenge when, you know, you look at things like FMC and FDM versus your old legacy ASA as your endpoint, your VPN concentrator. And we're trying to close that gap bit by bit. Um, a lot of specific VPN enhancements have gone in uh, around, you know, authentication uh, capabilities for remote access, uh, as well as some additional, I think there's some site to site changes that have kind of helped us close that gap. If you want to deep dive on some of those, um, the release notes for 6.4 uh, go pretty well in depth. Um, but I think the next topic we want to cover is really something a little bit more passionate for us here on the support side. And those are some of the troubleshooting tools that are introduced in 6.4. Yeah, so um, I can kind of jump in there, Meg, yeah, if go you for don't it. mind. So we, we put a lot of effort into getting these defined, right? And we really were looking for tools that would open some of these black boxes up to not just us in TAC, but also the customer themselves. So we introduced debug packet, and it's it's a packet by packet look, or sorry, a packet by packet look in under the hood as to what's happening. And our black boxes predominantly would be that connection between Snort and Lena. So, mm -hmm. you know, PDTS ring well, buffer, which so is So for our listeners, that's pulling a packet up from the data yeah. path. It com comes in on the wire. Again, Lena is usually the first line of interaction for any traffic through the box. And then from there, it has to go up for that extra layer of inspection. You mentioned the DAC, the data acquisition, pulling packets up. Yep. So that's yeah, so where it all plays in. Exactly. So those were black boxes to us. Um, and, and what talks to the DAC is actually called the PDTS ring or the packet data transport system, right? And we couldn't see exactly what was going on. And now we have some ability to do that on a packet by packet basis. So it's added to the clutch. It's debug packet. If you guys want to play with it, it's pretty cool. Uh, just be aware that it does write per packet. So don't go hog wild and just open it up to your entire internet pipe. Don't go snort wild. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I see what you right? did there. See what I did uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely filter that traffic. Yeah. That's a and just to you know reiterate and kind of drive that home. Just if you were to think of uh, in the I, in iOS the old debug IP packet, a lot of people are like, oh God, don't turn that on for everything, and because you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, the same kind of holds true here. Obviously, uh, be surgical, if you will, uh, in choosing what you want to filter. Um, in our show notes, we'll have some examples of what that command would look like and some ways to define it and you know, a little bit about what not to do uh, in its current iteration. But again, it's uh, definitely helping, as Foster described, uh, fill out that black box and, and make it a little bit easier for us to, to deep dive. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful addition, and I, I honestly would say it's kind of the phase one or us laying the groundwork for expanding that capability into other parts of the product, right? So we have the initial stuff, which is like Foster said, we have ACL, we have DAC, we have PDTS, but what after that, right? Anything that might be more black boxy at this point, we're trying to open up in the future. So this kind of lays that groundwork for that. And yeah, and and because I'm sure many of you are aware, um, many of our listeners are aware that we have things like Packet Tracer, right, which shows you some insight into the Lena data path, shows you some things like Snort, 
things that are happening in Snort, URL classification and such. And a lot of that then bleeds into things like firewall engine debug, system support trace. I was going to say, have you guys talked about system support trace on the show? Uh, I think we have in, in some past episodes. Maybe our 623 episode we did uh, a little over a year ago, I think but it was. For, for those who haven't listened to, yeah. the, uh, to the archive of episodes, Justin, give us a, a short form version of what system support trace is So about. system support trace, I want you to think about it as packet tracer with Snort. That's that's in its easiest form. That's what it is. So we we found that Packet Tracer was a great tool. I mean, we came into this, you know, uh, not knowing what Packet Tracer was, and we figured it out, and we we're like, wow, we should really have this for Snort. So we asked, and they gave it to us. So now we can see as the packet flows through, not only the Lena or ASA side stuff, the phases that are happening there, and the decisions that are made, but same for Snort, right? It's the other side of the house where you'll see what IP rule to this match, you know, what what IPS signature, what preprocessor is acting on this traffic potentially dropping it is it already dropped blacklisted the whole session things like that it'll give you much more useful information if you're having a problem with packets going through snort and lena yeah and so the the specific improvement that we originally launched on talking about today was the connection-based debugging using debug packet that's sort of a a move towards a unified troubleshooting approach right and we have all these great tools but you kind of use them to troubleshoot different parts of the product and we want to move towards a situation where you have a more cohesive tool to analyze exactly what's happening to each one of your packets or, and or connections through uh, the entire box from, from ingress to egress, right? And so that's kind of the direction we're heading in, and that's really what the connection-based debugging is all about. Yeah, I'd say that, that the system support trace functionality, honestly, just from our Cisco Live talk alone, if you guys haven't seen it, maybe join next year. But uh, or we, this year. Or this year. Or yeah. this year, yeah. It's San yeah. Diego. Uh, San Diego. Six, San Diego. six weeks out. We may, yeah, we may talk about that a little bit here in a minute, too. But we will, we will just, I mean, you will see just how powerful these tools are and how, how applicable they are to pretty much any problem you're having with data path troubleshooting, right? And, and as Kevin said, we're trying to unify everything. We're trying to close the gaps, essentially. We have tools that handle, I'd say, 80% of the common things, and we're trying to close that 20 yeah, not only close that twenty, but make it one one tool that can right. tackle all of them, rather than these, you know, disparate tools. So we've talked a little bit about the troubleshooting tools, uh, connection-based debugging. Let's also jump into some improvements surrounding syslog messages for things like file inspection events, malware events. Uh, can you guys walk us through that just a little bit? Yeah. So I mean, so I'll start off with if you guys hadn't heard, we've we've unified our syslogging, right? So it used to be separated for say how you would configure your syslogging and how it would act now we've tried to bring the, that lena syslogging that snort syslogging into one configuration so that it's easier in your access control policy for you as the end user to configure and with that we also added some additional capabilities in 6.4 for what we're syslogging so foster you want to talk about that yeah so we we've kind of unified our eventing um, down to the ftd level so previously a lot of our eventing you wouldn't get all of the fidelity if you didn't let it come out of the FMC. So, so it had to come up from the sensor all the way the, yeah. Okay, gotcha. up to the FT, FMC, and it would finish putting on the extra pieces of data, and then you'd ship it out. Polish it. Exactly. And send it. Yeah, and that creates a bottleneck, right? If I'm bringing in hundreds of millions of events per second, now I must have a big pipe to my FMC. So we, we realized that, and now we push that data down to the FTDs, and they can fully qualify the event there, which means then you could send it off of there to anything else, like a remote syslog server or a sim or something like that, 
um, without having to wait for it to go through the FMC. So it provides a lot of speed enhancements, but also it provides that ability to say, yeah, I don't want to transmit all this back to my FMC. I want to put it in something that's more important to me, like my SIM. And as much as we love the FMC, we do acknowledge that sometimes you need to send this data elsewhere, and going through the FMC is not always the most efficient way, right? So... Yeah, I can just imagine if you have a bunch of remote deployed endpoints that are now dumping all their event information back up to FMC, that just seems like a lot of your uh, VPN pipe leveraged just for eventing. And now that can be kept like at the remote site, essentially. Yeah, or even off in the cloud, right? Yeah. So you could just log off back yeah, off sites. So. Or even just for the purpose of having to send it somewhere else. I mean, that, that seems largely inefficient. So we... we so a lot of people, they leverage this as a way to only bring back what they care about, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have 100 million connection events, do, are, do all of those actually matter? Or do I really care about the connection events that are related to something high priority, like security intelligence or malware? And let's get those connection events back in the FMC so we can track that security event. But those generic good connection events that are just being recorded for the purpose of network recording, let's send those off, right? Very nice, very nice. Um, So speaking of cloud capabilities, um, we now support Cisco threat response uh, on both FMC and FTD and I guess FDM as well here. So um, obviously Cisco threat response is a sort of overarching product and goal. Can you guys give us the uh, brief spiel as to the purpose of Cisco threat response and really how are we now interacting? Yeah, so so Cisco threat response is kind of that one piece of glass for a security analyst. It's a way to bring in many different Cisco security data sources like the Firepower device and AMP and ThreatGrid and bring all of those different pieces of a a puzzle and bring them into one unique place that you can build out the story of a security threat. So now by bringing in Firepower, we're bringing in more fidelity uh, for the security analyst so that they can make that one story about a security threat. Really kind of helping us bring all the products together to really present a single like overarching security goal from Cisco. That's a good way to kind of showcase that, you know, all the different components while they are, you know, we are one big Cisco as a company, you know, there are obviously integration challenges and we're closing again to use that, that term closing the gaps. We're closing the gaps and bringing a lot of things together here. And Cisco threat response is one of those uh, new capabilities uh, where we can fit your FTD deployments in there uh, just fine. Now, uh, I did allude to FDM briefly a moment ago, and we've uh, not left our FDM Firepower Device Manager. Uh, We have not left uh, that baby alone. Uh, There are some additional changes for 6.4 that I think have been pretty beneficial. A lot of folks have been asking for uh, AAA integration, so that you can do uh, like external authentication for management of FDM. Seems like a, a pretty useful feature. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you go back in 6.3, you did have the ability to integrate with AAA, say Radius, for instance, to do your web-based authentication. But that's it, right? You couldn't log into the CLI, which sometimes we acknowledge you still have to do. So we've added in 6.4 the ability to add profiles for Radius authentication, external authentication, and authorization to the CLI. So we've extended that capability. So now you can configure them separately. They can be the same if you'd want in most cases, probably but they can also be configured separately. They are two individual components. So in other words, this is not just authentication for data path for end users, but for actual management of the appliance as well. Right, for administration. Yep, so you know, you may, you may be a small business, you may have FDM, and that may be the best solution for you, but we acknowledge you still have users and you wanna have a little bit of our back in there. And something else specifically related to FDM that we've improved is the addition of hit counts. So the, the, the age old tried and true 
method of troubleshooting, making sure that you're hitting the right ACL, something that that we in the firewall space have been doing for many, many years is now spamming up enter on the CLI to find out what's changing. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Those days um, have arrived now for FDM. And so you don't have to go into the CLI anymore and run a bunch of show commands. You can just open up your FDM and you can take a look at hit counts for your ACL. So if you have ACLs, perhaps that you're not using or never getting hit, that will also be more readily apparent to you now. So you can do things like ACL tuning and tweaking and simplification of your cleanup sometimes. Just general cleanup. So that is another FDM-specific enhancement that uh, that we think our users, um, which are, is you, our listeners, will enjoy. And so we say we say FDM. I want I want to make sure that everyone's clear. It's it's an FTD thing, right? It's, so yeah. it expands to FDM as part of managing that. But there is a way in FTD with the FMC. If you're managing with an FMC, to tap into this data as well. It's a little bit different workflow, but it is there. But with FDM, you know, you're pro- you're going to see the most impact because. With FDM, the, the eventing isn't there. You can't really maintain events. So if you want to go look at, say, your connection events to find out what ACL I'm hitting, that, that data isn't there. So you can see in more real time what ACLs have been hit and which ones might not be even evaluated. So we've uh, touched base here on an assortment of different sort of high-level uh, improvements and changes that have gone into 6.4. And there's obviously a lot more. Uh, refer back to the 6.4 release notes for more detail there. But the reason why we picked a lot of these is because they're important to us for the sake of troubleshooting and helping improve the overall stance of the product, really. And uh, oddly enough, that's one of the main reasons why we're all here in Fulton, Maryland, for this week uh, was we had a uh, an offsite or a meeting uh, to talk about what we dub as serviceability, essentially improving the troubleshooting capabilities on our products. And it's great to see those efforts paying off and some of these capabilities making it out into the field, uh, which we hope makes the whole FTD experience for our listeners uh, a little bit rosier. Yeah, and I mean, you can even see that in 6.4, right? Debug packet comes out of that serviceability initiative. So yeah, it's starting to make some some real waves. So we would encourage all, all of you, our listeners, now that 6.4 is out, it's released, it's available, you can spin it up in your labs. Um, let us know. Send us some feedback on what features you love. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can post on our Facebook room. You can send us an email. All the contact information um, is available there on our Tax Security Podcast page as, as well as on our Facebook page. So let us know what you do like, what you don't like, because as Magnus and, and Justin and Foster were just mentioning, you know, we have regular interactions directly with our, our engineering teams, our product management teams, and there's a lot of synergy, uh, if you don't mind the use of the of the buzzword, um, that goes on between the support teams here in TAC and the teams that are directly responsible for further development of the product and, and maintaining it. So the feedback that we get from you, our listeners, is directly makes it to the teams that are actually developing and building the product. So really important that you do leave us that feedback so that we can continue to go to bat for our customers and listeners. And the, the biggest one, I think we, we forgot to mention, you know, we talked about all these exciting things that changed in 6.4, but we didn't mention the probably largest thing that changed in 6.4, which is the, the login page for the FMC. Oh, yeah. That's How could we right. forget? The splash page. The so most visual aspect, I That is going to be the first thing you notice when you upgrade. So uh, for those who are uh, perhaps not uh, familiar with the original splash page, uh, Justin, what was the splash page prior to 6.4, the login page? It was so, a beautiful image of what? So from 5 something, I can't remember what. 5.2. 5.2, I believe. Yeah, yeah. for 5-2 sure. 5.2 until... 6.3, we had what was called an 83.60. Well, I take that back. It, it may have started as it an 82.60. 82 yeah, yeah, for sure. Before we even refreshed to the 8300 series appliances. Uh, so it, that was our 2U or 
for you. They're for you. Because they're each to you. Uh, Two of them stacked on top of each other to make a uh, kind of transformer-like network inspection device. And uh, if any of you know that that system is largely on its way out the door as we replace it with the larger, more modern boxes. So it seemed appropriate to change the picture. And the picture is now... Well, you know what? Let's not tell them what the picture is at this point. Let's let them discover... Go install 6.4 in your labs, test it out, check it out, check out the features, marvel at the, uh, the change in the login banner. Um, but really, uh, you know, we're pretty proud of this release. Uh, we're hoping um, that uh, you guys will be as well. Something else we're really proud of, Cisco Live, uh, which obviously this year is in San Diego. Sunny San Diego. Sunny San Diego. Nice. And, uh, looking forward to that. Some of the fine gentlemen at this table here are headed out there. I am uh, not going out this year, and uh, neither is Justin over here for a specific reason, which he will touch base on very briefly. I am not. I am getting married, and that seems to take precedence. I would agree 100%. I would say a wedding yes. trumps going out to uh, Cisco Live. But uh, for you, Kevin and Foster, what are you guys doing out there at Cisco Live? Sure. So, Foster, you want to go ahead and share? Yeah, I think? sure. I, I um, well, Kevin and me are both going to present together at Cisco Live at TechSec 3004. Is it a duet? Are you it's gonna a duet. Actually, it's, it's, a, actually triad, it's a trifecta. I get. Yeah. Or a trio, <laughs> oh, whatever yeah, you want to yeah, call it. you want to call it. But uh, yeah, so Kevin and Kevin, me and John Gretzinger will talk a lot about uh, how you would go about troubleshooting the data path. So a lot of those tools we talked about, debug, packet, all of the serviceability things that we were talking about. Uh, how do you take those and put those into action? Yeah, and we're really looking forward to it this year. You know, we we make an effort every time we go and present, whether it's in Cisco Live Europe and Barcelona or San Diego or Orlando or Vegas, whatever the case, we always try to update our material, right? So we don't just present the same thing every year. We, we go and we add things like what's new in 6.3, what's new in 6.4. So even if you've been before, if you're a little rusty on your troubleshooting or you want to learn about some of these new features in more detail, then we would encourage you guys to take a look at some of these sessions. Ours, again, is TechSec-3004. It is a technical seminar. So the one that, that John Foster and I will be uh, co-presenting um, is is an additional, uh, additional charge on top of Cisco Live. But we um, have gotten great feedback from our attendees in the past, and uh, we would encourage. We'd love to see you guys there. Yeah, and we're uh, me and John are doing another one that will take build on that TechSec 3004, take those serviceability features, and then put them truly into action in a lab. So we're going to break a bunch of stuff, and then you guys get to fix it. So that's a lot of fun if you guys want to come out and just test your skills. Uh, hopefully you're up for the challenge. Yeah, yeah that I- is also an additional charge, yes. Yeah, it's definitely yes. an addition. Uh, the perils of the labs. Yeah, no, nothing's <laughs> free in the world of the the TLs. <laughs> Although I I am also presenting a break sec, so thirty twenty break sec thirty twenty, which is included in your admission cost. I lied. No, one thing is free. <laughs> yes. So um, I I don't know if I call it free because yeah. it's it's not free to go to Cisco Live. But if you are going this uh, summer in San Diego in early June, I think it starts June 9th, uh, we'd encourage you guys to come check it out. That that one is troubleshooting ASA firewalls. So it is. More specific to our, the tried and true Cisco ASA firewall, although if you are running FTD and you're not running ASA, a lot of the skills that you'll learn, things like packet tracer, things like looking at your connection logs. Understanding NAT. Understanding NAT. That's a big one. Yeah, and just understanding some of the architecture um, and some some great examples and walkthroughs that we do. It is still very useful, even if you're more of a, a newer user that's only accustomed to FTD. Um, don't rule it out uh, because you may find a lot of, you will find a lot of benefit to that as well. So. All in all, we're looking forward to Cisco Live. Again, it's early June in San Diego. So I, I personally have only been there once and never do a Cisco Live event there. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Justin will miss you. I'm sure that you're going to be having a great time getting married. So that is awesome. Um, and Foster, we will see you there. Yeah, see you guys there. Hopefully everybody can come. Yeah, hopefully each and every one of our listeners will be there. If uh, you do go, uh, be sure to let us know that you're going to be there. We'll be happy to uh, catch up, uh, grab a coffee or grab a beer with you at Cisco Live. And um, we hope to see you all there. Well, uh, that concludes uh, essentially today's episode on 6.4. Um, pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, some great new features, some great capabilities. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we'll hear you all. Well, no, you'll hear us all next time. That's right. Um, just a sneak peek into our next episode. We are going to be sitting down with Talos, which is our... Uh, are the group of Cisco that works on the rules and such that you have that go and detect malware threats. So it's going to be a very interesting episode. So we'll be posting that one here shortly on the Tax Security Podcast. So be on the lookout for that as well. Until then, we'll see you next time. And thanks for joining.